In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, please be seated. Our reading in 2 Thessalonians is a striking and powerful indictment of idleness in the early church. 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 11 and 14. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not just at work, but busybodies. Take note of that person, have nothing to do with them, that he may be ashamed. It appears that those who don't contribute are rebuked and ostracized. This appears harsh on the surface, or is it? Paul is working to create a new kind of family in the creation of a new Christian culture. This was a new orientation, a new king requiring allegiance and worship. It was not like what was demanded by Caesar. This king gives unending love. Thessalonica was one of the first Christian family communities, and loyalty overrode many other considerations. Resources were pooled. St. Stephen, one of the first deacons, he's a great example of this occurring in the early church in the care of widows and food distribution. He created the first food bank. Labor is needed for the community to grow. The creative energy of all is required for the church to survive. These ideals were revolutionary. The foundation of society was shaken. The new Christian family grew, it grew, and grew. A Jewish reference described it as a new root, transplanted to new soil, and watered from a different spring. If you belong to it, you did not belong to the outside world anymore. Everything changed. You changed. The new family was not at ease with the pagan or traditional Jewish culture and establishment anymore. Once you discover a better way, it's hard to go back. But this created problems for the neighbors you interacted with. In the first decades of existence, this led to persecution by pagans, by the government, and by the Jewish community who did not accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. The new community was viewed as subversive. They were labeled as different, with secret vices, you know, as the drinking of blood. Christ would not give homage to the emperor, and Christians resisted doing so soon. Imagine how a traditional Jewish family felt when a family member became a Christian. They felt betrayed and often shunned or ostracized that person. You may lose your job due to your new beliefs. Your boss may think that it is bad for business, and this still exists today. Dennis and I were in in Japan. Japan is the second largest city in the world. I think New Delhi beats it out. And we're walking down a street, like thousands of other streets in Tokyo, on a Sunday morning at 9.55, and we're in front of a Methodist church. Now, we've been there three or four times. This is the only time we ever found a church in Japan. And we see the parishioners going in, and church was at 10 a.m., So, of course, we run up to the door and ask if we can come, and they say yes. 
It was a beautiful thing. We didn't understand a word they said, but you could see the order of the liturgy. We understood that, and the hymns were beautiful. They were all in Japanese, but it's the same tune that we have in our hymns here. So that was very, very comforting. Afterwards, the elders of the church came to talk to us, and I asked a question. I said, what's it like being a Christian in Japan? And the one thing they all said was holding down a job. They were self-contained and often employed each other, but that was a real issue for them. So they pulled their resources, you know, for them to survive. In the early existence of the church, it was commonly believed that Christians subverted the normal social and cultural life of the empire. A young Pharisee named Saul was so enraged with hatred that he gained the authority to attack and harm Christians. He traveled wide, seeking them out. Often citizens informed authorities against Christians and where they lived. St. Stephen was murdered for his unwavering beliefs and testimonial to his accusers. He was our first documented martyr for the faith. So back to Paul and Thessalonians. Paul, now remember, he's the reformed Saul, is demanding that there is no idleness in the new family. All talent, energy, and resources are needed to succeed. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are working to inspire and hold the new family together. The new community is given new life and new tasks. So let's ask ourselves, why is Paul doing this? Why? Why is he hard about this concept? Is he trying to strengthen the new family by demanding adherence to the way? Is he trying to protect the new church from relapsing into their former lifestyle? The new Christian structure and community gives strength to face trouble and persecution. It provides family solidarity. It provides a model that peers into a future that is uncertain. We trust in God even when trouble surrounds us. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. Paul later gives the idle Christian a road back. We are to treat them not as enemies, but as brothers to admonish, correct, and accept back into the fold. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Paul himself was given a way back to Jesus Christ. He intervenes out of love. In our gospel for today, Luke 21, it tells us that trouble and persecution doesn't end. It forewarns of the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem and all of the horrors connected with that. It holds throughout history to today. Jesus' words comfort and guide many believers down throughout time who face similar circumstances. Luke 21, beginning at 7. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? 
In verse 9, Jesus tells us, And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. We can all relate to pestilence now after living through COVID-19. Let's continue. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up in the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Jesus in Luke tells us that we continue to be persecuted as the end will not be at once. Today, we still see persecution around the world. In China, as in our recent Bible study taught us in the book Faith in the Wilderness, Christians in Myanmar, the Coptics in Egypt, Baghdad, and the United States of America. That's right, in our own backyard. Our secular world minimizes our beliefs. In some circles, the Bible is labeled as hate speech. Two weeks ago, three attacks on church buildings occurred, including a cardinal's residence in New York City, and all these things were vandalized. On election day, a church was burned to the ground in Jackson, Mississippi. And the list goes on. All you have to do is watch the news. So what do we do now? Right now, what do we do about all this? Do we pretend it doesn't exist because, oh, nothing ever happens in Largo or Clearwater? So what do we do? Fidelity to Jesus. Adhere to our Christian way of life. Unwavering. Display firmness and faithfulness in our beliefs and ongoing investment in one another. Love. The greatest of these is love. We are a part of a network of Christians throughout the world. We support missions local and around the globe. We show charity to those who are unable to care for themselves. We provide an example of love to the outside world. When we do this, we can earn the respect of others. It can bear witness and show others that fear of Christians is unfounded. The world is watching. The world is watching our actions very carefully. Our St. Dunstan's family is a community that supports each other in good times and bad. We often pull our resources and come to the aid of our own, just as the early church did. Meals delivered in times of personal crisis, help in moving a refrigerator, help a member find a new place to live, financial assistance for an unexpected expense due to tragedy. It gives converts, it gives new Christians, an example to follow and a way to find wholeness and oneness with the group, with our church family. Family. We are family. We are so fortunate today. If you become a new Christian, you have generations of experience from grandparents, parents, siblings, 
friends, saints in the church, experienced clergy to rely on for help. You have over 2,000 years of tradition and learning to guide you. The Bible is available throughout the world in, in many languages. In the early Christian community, it was so new that often there was confusion and lack of human leadership. Without the Holy Spirit, it would not have survived. I challenge you to find your place in this St. Dunstan's community. Find a service or mission and pour your heart into it. Pray. Assess your gifts. Figure out what you are drawn to. Try something new. Bring a new project to the table, and don't be afraid to think big. Serve out of love, and as a result of your love for Jesus Christ. Paul, in Thessalonians, encourages us to endure to the end. We endure until Christ returns. In the meantime, we work. We work to spread the gospel. We love. We wait. Lord, bless our church family. Lord, bless our worldwide Christian family. Give us the strength to endure. May God find us worthy. Amen.